0: Hi everyone, this is Stefan. Today I'm talking with David Lam. David is a PhD candidate at Lufana University in Germany. His research focuses on transferability and scalability of transformational impacts on sustainability initiatives. Before starting his PhD, he studied environmental studies and sustainability science at Lund University and worked for three years as a corporate responsibility consultant for companies, federal ministries in Germany, and NGOs. In the podcast, we talk about a few different papers comprising David's PhD research and thesis. This includes how sustainability transformations are fostered by local actors, but also how understandings of sustainability differ between actors. We also discuss a recent paper led by David on amplification processes in the sustainability transformations literature. David has also conducted a review of local and indigenous knowledge, which leads us to a discussion on plurality and the challenges of integrating different types of knowledge in transdisciplinary research processes. Thanks for joining us. This is the Finding Sustainability Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Hi
1: Stefan, thanks for inviting me.
0: Let's get a little bit of a background on where you studied and what your first job was after your master's and then how that transitioned into what you're doing now with your PhD.
1: So I studied environmental science and business law at at Leuphan University in Lüneburg. And um, after that, I did my master's degree at Lund University on environmental studies and sustainability science and after that i moved back to germany to start my first job i worked for three years at the corporate responsibility consultancy which tries to improve companies or help companies to be more sustainable for example to by developing strategies for sustainability which you can incorporate in a in a company or by trying to make supply chains more sustainable
0: was your master's thesis focused on corporate social responsibility or how how did you transition into that position um, a little bit
1: yes because i was working on a methodology to identify hotspots along a value chain um, with regards to environmental and social aspects and this is actually very interesting for consultancies because they actually work with this method as well. I did this together or my thesis together with the Wuppertal Institute in Germany, which uh, developed this methodology
0: we studied the same master's programs that was a very much conceptual and I would say theoretical program and then how was that for you then transferring over into a very uh, what would you say private sector or corporate oriented job in consultancy was that skill set aligned did you feel like you had the tools that you needed to to do that job or was it a lot of learning along the way I think there are two things that
1: you need in a job one is the content that you need to know and the second one are the skills and um competencies that you need and I think the my master degree definitely helped me to gain a lot of background knowledge content etc that I needed to do that job and also some projects that we did during the the master degree helped to um, to gain some some competency and skills but those ones I definitely more developed during projects that I did beside my studies and also while I did um, interns at companies as
0: well. Yeah, I mean, I assume the research process within the consultancy companies, I assume there's also some sort of research process based on the projects that you bring on board. And how is the research process different internally within those consultancy companies versus, for example, an approach that you might take academically?
1: Yeah, I I worked at least in two research projects, which were for federal ministries in Germany. And I think the perspective why the results are interesting is different. For example, in research, I think we are very concerned about we have we have to ask scientific questions and um, find solutions for it to to fill gaps in research and theories. And research projects that we conducted at the consultancy were more focused on yeah on real problems. <laughs> That's my impression.
0: Yeah. I mean, is it more of the agenda setting process of why you do the research? If you're getting consulted by one of the German ministries, I mean, they have some sort of policy, practical policy output that they have in mind that they want to develop. And then they're asking you to basically inform the direction for that. Is that more of the, the process? Whereas a lot of, I would see a lot of the academic work is kind of self-motivated or, you know, it takes the researcher themselves has to come up with the problem or come look and understand the literature to see where the gaps are and then develop it. Uh, I I think it's an interesting perspective. And I think that leads into a little bit of the question of how you see it now in in your PhD and going back then into academia and how that process has been different. I mean, do you enjoy it i imagine also the pace of the research is quite a bit different
1: yes i think in doing research now in my phd is much more about methods approach why you do uh, certain things and in our research project at the consultancy they uh, we, we didn't have always so much time so this is always uh, this also determines how you do the process how you do the research as well so this is definitely one big difference that i see there
0: so what's then the what's the focus of your PhD, and then we can maybe go into some of the research questions that you're interested in, how that's been structured into the different paper topics that you have.
1: Um, I would say that my PhD has has a focus on how transformative transdisciplinary research can support sustainability transformation that are fostered by local actors, and I'm trying to approach this from two perspectives. The one, the first perspective is concerned about the initiatives that are popping up everywhere, the sustainability initiatives and how we can increase their impact to foster transformative change. And then the second perspective I'm taking is to understand somehow what are local perspectives and local understandings of transformi- transformations, because I feel if we want to push our society towards more sustainability we don't we shouldn't do it from a top-down approach and I think this also is not very successful we have to do it from the bottom we have to do this well from the bottom up. And this includes understanding what actually local people think about transformative change. What does it entail? What's the process about it? And where it should go?
0: How did you start along that journey? And you know, where did you position yourself in the literature when you wanted to find a starting point to get into that topic? What were the types of papers that you were reading? I started
1: reading a lot about transformative transdisciplinary research, which is describing how... The mode of research is somehow changing from trying to understand transformations to also support transformations with research and by engaging with local actors, which are non-academic actors and also by reading a lot of papers on sociological transformations and socio-technical transformations. And when I read, when I read through this whole literature, I somehow um, realized that these are all conceptual understandings, uh, very theoretical understandings, and very Western-dominated understandings of what transformations are and how they are taking place. And that's why I actually developed this idea of what do what do local people in the real world actually think how the world changes. And um, that's how I developed this, I would say, focus in my research.
0: It seems to me that there's quite a bit of conceptualizing definitely within the academic sphere there's a whole lot of conceptualizing about what sustainability actually is or theorizing if you want to phrase it like that and do you get the impression that there are separate discourses about what sustainability is i mean maybe even drawing also on your consultancy experience like what sustainability is from their perspective versus what the academic understanding of sustainability is and then maybe what you find then with local people and the place based understandings of sustainability. Do you feel like there's a large disconnect there, or is there some overlaps which people can find common ground on?
1: I think that there are different, definitely different understandings of what tr- sustainability means for people. And I regard sustainability always as a normative goal, which is, in my opinion, more influenced by Western cultures. And if you come to South American context, there will be def- you will definitely meet people who don't agree with this idea of sustainable development, sustainability because they have different normative concepts for alternative futures, like when we were, for example, which is more like a moral concept to describe how to live together. And um, this it, it has similarities with the normative goal of sustainability but it also has its different differences and People definitely here don't always want sustainability because they think, oh, it's again, a Western concept. It's colonization if you want to do sustainability transformations here. And that's why you always have to understand the local context, the local normative goals where you do research, for example, in the Global South.
0: Do you start with your work in a particular sustainability framework? Is there any particular concept that you that you hold on to or that you're trying to use as a way to frame the understanding of of sustainability. I know, Lufana, there's a few folks there working in in this leverage points concept, for example. Um,
1: Definitely the perspective of trans research and leverage points for sustainability transformations and then also socio-ecological systems transformation. I think these three frameworks are very important for my research, but I always try to... To, to understand transformations, not only from a socio-ecological systems perspective, but also what do socio-technical transition thinkers think about transformations or socio-innovation researchers think about transformations. Because I think we are having this discourse on transformations in several research areas and we need to somehow draw conclusions across different research areas what transformations are and what uh, what what they entail and how we can foster them with transformative research.
0: You know, there seems to be a lot of people, if you just search the word sustainability in one of the major literature databases, when I mean, you come up with a lot of things in, for example, engineering, uh, a lot of things in tech-oriented uh, sciences, and there must be some core overlap in the concepts there. I've never seen any research which does that. That might also just show my ignorance in terms of my bubble of natural resource management So there are definitely now
1: some papers that are trying to understand or do reviews on the sustainability transformation discourse that is happening in different research areas. And I mean, there was recently one published. I think it was in current opinion for sustainability from Schoons et al. 2020, which very, very nicely describes how we have currently three discourses on tr- sustainability transformations in the literature, and the first one takes is called I think is structural approaches, which is more about um, this big social transformations, trying to understand it from a socio from a social perspective, um, and they refer to ideas from Marx and capitalism, how to implement un- a different economic systems like a degrowth or zero-growth. Then there's the second perspective which takes a systems perspective of which socio-ecologic socioeconomic transformations research, leverage points research is a big part of. And those people or those researchers try to understand transformations of systems like a food system, a health system or a governance system of a forest management system. And then we have the third literature, which is called enabling approaches. This is somehow a mix of the first two of the structural perspective and and the systems perspective, but it is more concerned about trying to foster uh, these transformations by doing research, by doing transformative transitional research. And that is more um, concerned about the emergence of transformations from bottom up from the local people. And that's also where I would situate my research because I'm very interested in this bottom up initiatives. How do people on the ground think about change? What, what are they doing to foster change? And how can research support these people?
0: what are some of the empirical projects that you're doing in, in your PhD that, to try to get at that mm-hmm. I'm working in a transistory trans- case study in southern
1: Transylvania in Romania and there I'm working with a network of 30 non-governmental NGOs who try to foster sustainability for instance by by conducting water cons- water projects and biodiversity conservation projects or um, or landscape management projects or um, cultural heritage projects. And yeah, I'm working there with these NGOs because we have my, my university or my colleagues have worked there for, I think, more than five years. First doing research to try to understand the system of Southern Transylvania. So they did really in-depth social ecological systems analysis. And in the second project, they tried to understand where can this system go in the future. And they developed or co-developed with local actors um, four different scenarios for the region, Southern Transylvania. And one scenario, which is called Belling Springs Beauty, was identified and also selected by a lot of local actors as a possible future for the region that they want to strive after. And... In my research, I'm trying now to understand how can these people get to this envisioned uh, future for uh, Southern Transylvania, and what local actors, um, I mean the NGOs with who I'm working with, are always saying it. It is actually a matter of increasing the impact, scaling the initiative that are currently existing in in Southern Transylvania, and that's also how I developed my research in this TDK study, because. I was in general in in general interested in how transformative research can support local actors, and by engaging with this transdisciplinary case study, I actually developed my sub research question for my thesis, and one of it was how does sustainability literature think about scaling the impact of uh, of sustainability initiatives. And this came out of this case study because the local actors were asking, how can we actually scale our impact to reach the sustainability future for Southern Transylvania? And that's why I did my first paper, a literature review on amplification processes, which sustainability initiatives can use to amplify the impact in order to foster transformative change in the region, in the
0: system. In the paper, you guys... You identify eight different processes, so stabilizing, speeding up, growing, replicating, transferring, spreading. Then you have scaling up, and then you have scaling deep. And then you you aggregate those into three broader conceptual frames, which is amplifying within, amplifying out, and then amplifying beyond. And I'm interested to hear a little bit from you because, you know, there's a bunch of terms in there for those who are not familiar with it. You know, where do you think are some of the more positive areas, which, you know, it's already in the literature a lot of focus on and maybe some areas which we need to focus more on
1: yes so this literature review was had the aim to to understand how different frameworks that are very dominated dominant in the current system retransformation literature how they think about scaling and um, because everyone currently in a lot of papers are using this word how can we scale how can we scale up but when we try to understand this phenomena of scale it is actually confusing to use the word scale because it somehow and somehow um, means that there needs to be a scale and levels. But if people talk about it, and especially in research and in practice, people actually mean something different. They mean how we can amplify the, the impact from initiatives. That's why we're trying to shift the wording in the literature to amplification and, and, and amplifying instead of always talking about scaling and only talk about, use the word scale when you really have different scales. Yeah, but this is of course difficult to change the wording in the language. And uh, regarding your questions, I think a lot of frameworks have developed an in, in depth understanding how we can amplify out, which means that how we can uh, increase the number of initiatives and how we can impact more people and places. But um, and this process are very well understood, I think, in literature. But what is new or more interesting now in the literature is also to think about process, processes that change the values and mindsets of people because from a leverage points perspective, when I refer to Donella Donne- Donne- Meadows' idea of leverage points, it is actually interesting to understand how we can how initiatives can change values and mindsets and how processes that facilitate this um, can be fostered or more better understood via research. And I think we should focus more on this amplification processes because um, they, they have the potential to initiate um, transformative
0: change throughout a system. Is there any example of an amplification process gone correct or one where you think, okay, this is a particularly successful case study uh, that you found in the literature? On, on which process do you mean now? Ooh, I guess I didn't pick a process. Um, this idea of scaling deep some of the other words it seems a little bit more intuitive in what they might mean or the type of amplification process that they're getting at but what is scaling deep do you have a do you have an example there
1: mm-hmm. so scaling deep the example that we are using in, in the paper is um, for example this time banks which are popping up in the, especially the uk it's where people can work in in the community and gain credits for it time credits and they can use this time credits at, uh, later to ask other people to do something for them to work for them and this changes actually their understanding of what work means what time means and it's not always related to a price and i think this is is a, a def- definitely a change in the how they value work and time and um other examples that were that i'm now trying to understand in other research projects is um how education or educational projects like um, organic farming projects or um, nature-based education projects try to change values and mindsets of people who participate in these
0: projects oh that's interesting i'm interested in what your methodology or, or process of sorting through the literature is i've attempted myself a couple of these literature synthesis projects where you try to get mix of qualitative and quantitative understanding of, of the literature and the content that is within that literature. And I always find it really difficult and I always find, myself learning through the process and then looking back on hindsight saying that we could have done it differently or that we could have improved the methodology we didn't think about that and the reviewers always bring up good questions and criticisms as well in ways that we could improve and i wonder how you organized the process of sorting through the literature and distilling down the the core concepts that you found mm. so at first of
1: course we wanted to do a systematic literature review and um this was very difficult because it was difficult to create a search string that covers all the different terms used to describe amplification processes. And um, this was impossible because the different research areas used so different terms to describe um, amplification process process such as scaling out, scaling up, scale deep, outscaling, embedding etc so we couldn't develop a session that covers really everything and at the end we decided to do um, a sele- selective review process that tries to cover the most dominant cro- concepts that are currently used in literature to provide an overview of amplification processes and I think that's what we did in our, our paper very well because we have covered, I think, almost the most important, most cited frameworks.
0: And yeah, that's how we did it. I'm now looking at your your recent paper in Ecology and Society, which is titled Indigenous and Local Knowledge and Sustainability Transformations Research, a literature review. So I'd, I'd love to get into this one a little bit. Did you have a similar review process for this? Um, did you have the similar challenges looking at the local knowledge and indigenous knowledge literature? No, in this one, it
1: was different because um yeah it was easier to to apply a search string that covers uh, answers the question or picks um, finds papers that are relevant to answer our research question so this one was more a systematic literature review in which we tried to find papers that talk about or you, uh, talk about indigenous and local knowledge with regards to the world's transition transform, transformation and change because we were interested interested how the sustainability transformations literature includes or engages with indigenous and local knowledge. And the interesting thing is that we found only four papers, that, which is 5%, that uh, use or apply indigenous and local knowledge with regards to transformations. And all the other papers actually only use indigenous and local knowledge to confirm and complement scientific understandings of transformation and change in climate, species, socio-ecological and, I don't know what the fourth one, um, context of change. So it was not that we found uh, really any papers that really tried to understand transformations and transformative change from the perspective of indigenous and local people. And I think this is very important currently because if we look into other papers, they all show that where indigenous people and in local communities live, we have very high biodiversity in in terms of animal and plant species diversity. And this gives us the conclusion that uh, where they, those people live, they actually apply very good, or not very, very sustainable, governance and management um to manage their forests to manage the areas we need to tr- uh, we need to try to somehow understand what they are doing in these areas with their initiatives uh, for transform- transformations research
0: yeah it's it, it's it's really fascinating to think about how local and, and also indigenous and local knowledge can be integrated into scientific assessments I mean I'm, I'm reading here a bit in your in your abstract and you, know, you talk about the need for getting to like a plural understanding of of mm-hmm. transformations. And, and we've talked a lot on the podcast about plurality and having different, different research paradigms. And mm-hmm. I think it gets really at the the crossroads of what we think transdisciplinary research actually is, or what it should be, ideally, or what it actually is in practice for different projects, which, which we're engaged in. And I'd be, I'd be interested in your reflections on how does that actually work. If you have any reflections on the Transylvania case, and let's say that you find there is really important local and indigenous knowledge, which is relevant for the case, you also have a lot of scientific assessments. How does the process of integration work there? What does a transdisciplinary research project look like? It seems to me that there is variation between the projects and that there's not... Uh, A well-established conceptual framework for doing transdisciplinary research, or even defining what transdisciplinary research is. Yes, you're touching
1: there on very interesting questions, I think, and I think they're not very well elaborated currently in literature. I mean, first, this whole idea of system research. I think there are only some a few papers now, and also good papers that are talking how to connect transdisciplinary research with sustainability transformation literature and how then transformative transfer research can actually support transformations. And, um, yeah, so I think that's, that's a topic that actually needs more understanding in my opinion, because, um, more and more researchers around me, I don't know. Um, they are very interested that their research actually supports change and they are taking, with the research, also normative stances, and I mean, this, this draws on experience from participatory research, action research, mode two research, etc. But I feel like it's a lot going on in this in this kind of research, but it's not very structured. Currently, not well understand how this also leads to transformative impact in regions as well, and um, I think this research area will be more developed in the next years and needs to be more developed because we need to really understand better. And picking up on another question that you said about the assessments on transformative change, I mean, the 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 Intergovernmental Panel on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Change, they're trying, I don't know if this was not right now, but EPS is trying to, uh, to do research in the next 10 years on transformative change that can leverage No, sorry, on factors that can leverage transformative change with regard to biodiversity conservation. And they, for example, in their assessments always try to include knowledge from indigenous peoples and local communities. And I think that's I mean that's my opinion. If you want to work with indigenous people, for example, in, in forests about on biodiversity, you need to understand what they mean with transformative change, because otherwise you work with your own conceptualization of transformation and, and transformative change with people who have a totally different understanding of it. And coming together with those people and trying to understand, okay, biodiversity conservation, but from two different knowledge systems perspective is challenging but it also needs to needs more research on how we can do it and I mean one way to do it is this idea of um, not integrate but engage with different di- uh, and diverse knowledge systems in order to understand a problem better such as biodiversity conservation but yeah, I think this is what I want to do in my postdoc later to develop further develop these methods as well.
0: Yeah, I really I find the question of taking a normative stance in the research to be an interesting one. I typically tend to think about it from a, what I would see as a sustainability science perspective, and that would be more of a problem-driven, solution-oriented. Framing of research or at least the way that you think about structuring the research questions, and the way you think about what you're going to focus on and and then developing what the goal is for that research should be somehow. that's I think where aspects of transdisciplinarity come in where you then you should have, not should have, but that's where some of the literature might suggest that you incorporate the the agenda setting and the research question development with the local stakeholders themselves. And, and you go through the entire process, including data collection and design of the project and, and trying to make sense of that data and how it can actually be used. And the, the second thing I was thinking about was this, I think, the inherent time dimension, which comes which I would see, at least in transformations, concept of transformation, is that something is changing over time. But how do we go about from a research perspective to measure actually what we do in these projects? I mean, even if we have a large three, four or five year project, can we really make an empirical observation about what's happening? What types of change is going on in those systems to make any sort of conclusion about whether the frame that we use or the research approach that we used actually had the impact, uh, the intended impact which then we can validate our assumptions and move forward into the next project i mean there's such a there's such a time lag and we might not know for for a very long time uh decades whether some of the things that we speculate on and theorize about are going to come to fruition
1: i think these are very important questions with regards to time i mean first a bunch of sustainability transformation literature says that transformations need a lot of time and they're very complex multi-phase multi-level etc but um i feel that uh, that um, we don't have so much time to to initiate and think about this long time transformations because we need to understand how actions and research that we conduct now actually lead to to immediate change because otherwise um, there's um, the uh, what the so called window of opportunity closes in which we can actually change something and initiate transformative change. So that's one thing and. Doing research on transformations is, of course, difficult within a PhD of three or four years because, as I just said, transformations sometimes need much more time, you know, like 10 years, 15 years, or 20 years until society has changed or something. But I think this is because, or this confusion here, is because we have so many different understandings of what transformations are. And um, if we co- talk about transformations, we talk about a system change maybe that needs that can need 10 years, but can also need three or four years. It depends on the context. And some researchers say that there has to be a window of opportunity, there has to be a crisis, and those are um, the initiators to enable change very fast. For example, I mean, there's currently discussions in in research, or not in research, but in forums, um, about how the coronavirus uh, epidemic is actually leading to to very drastic change with regard to flights, with regards to consumption, uh, emissions, etc. And it shows again that one one event can change a lot of things very fast. And um, I think we have we we have to learn from that in the next five years how we can learn from this crisis that we're currently happening with regards to, to the coronavirus. Uh, for sustainable, for the sustainability climate change discourse and how to initiate change behavioral change so, so fast that we yeah that we are now seeing happening with regards to the
0: coronavirus to what extent those pulsing events or however you want to frame it are changing the mindset for long-term structural change because I, I, at least for the coronavirus it's pretty short term at the moment and i'm wondering How much is going to be go back to business as usual you said something about
1: um, transformative transit research and how this is actually currently um, I would say on go and I think also the current political situation if it's very I would say not very but it's somehow let me frame it differently there's so many politicians who are currently criticizing and um, questioning science and knowledge and research for example, with regards to climate change, like Trump is saying, all oh, climate change is not actually happening; it's just made up things by researchers, and he's putting environmental researchers, climate researchers, on a on a blacklist. And then I think in this time, it's very important to to conduct, transform trans transistional research because it's a kind of research where you connect with local actors in real in real world settings in um for example in, in southern Transylvania and you can and you develop and co-develop research results and knowledge that people that people can easier understand and also this in my opinion increases the the legitimacy and the trust in research again in a in a time where we have this political instability where people like um uh, Boris Johnson and um, um, or Bolsonaro in Brazil and and Trump in the U.S. are actually questioning um, the legitimacy and trust in research.
0: Yeah. On one hand, in science, there's a big discourse on that about pushing a pluralistic understanding of reality, multiple research paradigms contributing to an understanding of knowledge. On the other hand, from the public, they might look in and say, okay, but the science, it's a bit confused. I mean, they're, they're saying everything is valid. And I mean, how can we push that agenda within science while not compromising the public understanding of rigor within the science system and the scientific methodologies, which are trying to not just... Change, but to be integrated with each other in a way which is understandable and still trustworthy in the public eye.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh,
0: researchers now
1: need to engage with local people, and so that people really understand what researchers are doing and why research is why research results and knowledge is um, is important or trustworthy. I mean, because otherwise people just say, "Oh, science is so not." Um, is not worth to trust. Uh, climate change is not uh, is a lie, and people don't understand why this is
0: not true, right? With your knowledge of the local and indigenous text and the literature, do we almost have it the other way, where a lot of more the hard sciences, for example, they might not validate local and indigenous knowledge? What was your perspective? Did you come across any literature that which was discussing this difficulty of including some of the findings or, or or making valid other ways of knowing and, and really showing that that's, that can make a substantial change in adoption of behaviors towards conservation practices.
1: Yeah, I mean, my opinion is on this, that we have a lot of understanding from environmental climate change um, problems from the global perspective. And this is somehow research that's very placed not place connected right it's people see these figures of 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 these global problems and and, but they don't know what it means for them on the local ground they don't know how to act on this and I, i think that's why we need to include this local perspective of people as well into this research so that people can more connect to it again and of course we have this hardcore scientists who say okay indigenous knowledge is not worth it's not valid because it's um, it has it has spirituality and and emotions in it and um, That's why we cannot use it in scientific assessments for example with regards to pollinators uh, or assessment or other examples But in my opinion at the end when we look how decisions are made in the world, they are not only uh, made on pure facts and data. They are, at the end, always made and driven by not normative normativity, values, and feelings, and emotions. And somehow research has is not incorporating this currently in research, but um, it's a problem, in my opinion. And I mean, you told me you talked with Jessica Coburn, and we are currently working on a paper that tries to understand... Um, Emotions and self-care within research and science currently, and um, I think that's a that's a topic that we are currently ne- neglecting very much. How um, how researchers' emotions are um, uh, currently affecting our research and sustainability science and sustainability transformations literature. I mean, of course, there's research on emotions in social science, and I don't want to underestimate their their findings, etc. But it's not currently not connected to our research.
0: Like you said, there is a lot of research, but it's almost disciplinarily siloed into different groups, right? I mean, there's a huge literature on psychology and an environmental psychology, but that's mm-hmm. not necessarily linked with the sustainability science literature and the environmental management literature or the conservation literature for that matter. Mm. And putting some of these pieces together and finding the bridges between them, which we can have a joint understanding. I think that would be really helpful. Yes. You know, what are your ambitions after this? What are some of the the problems or interesting topics that you're thinking about? focusing on or doing a postdoc on?
1: I definitely want to work with sustainability initiatives, local projects that are popping up everywhere in the world currently, that that are led by local people, for example, indigenous people in Mexico or Ecuador, because I want to understand how they provide maybe other approaches and insights on how we can foster transformative change. I think this is one endeavor that I really want to pursue, and also, what kind of methodologies and research approaches do we need to incorporate their knowledge, their initiatives in transformations research?
0: Yeah, I wanted to. I also wanted to ask before before we wrapped up: is is your experience having a family and going through the PhD process, and how that process has been for you?
1: Yeah, of course, it's. A, Challenging if you have two kids or a family besides doing a PhD, but I think it's a question of organ- organizing your day. And um, I'm currently not organizing organizing my day according to my PhD, but I'm organizing it according to my kids, and this means that I can <laughs> I can only work when they let me and um that's why i start with my pg very early every day at seven o'clock and until two or three and then i have to take care of my kids because i'm sharing this uh, task with my wife and um she also has her things to do yeah but it's i think it's fun and good to to have kids as well during your pg because when when i leave my office i can really not think about my research anymore more because i have to Play with my daughter, for example, in in, in the forest, and um, we are then not researchers, but we're princesses and kings, and this brings you to a completely different paradigm. And um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is everything, the whole conceptual thinking that I do in the morning, and suddenly I am. Uh, imagine king and princess in a forest and trying to I don't know what
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly so how did you organize this you're in Mexico at the moment so how did you organize that and how is that working out yeah uh, yeah I mean I
1: always thought all oh, with kids I can't do a research day abroad but actually it's just a matter of organize, organizing it and starting very early to organize, organize it because if I go alone to Mexico I might only need a visa buy a flight, get an invitation from an institute institute where I want to work and apply for funding. But with two kids, I have to consider where really where I live because I cannot just have one room somewhere and I don't care about it, if it's safe or not. But with two kids, I I had to think, okay, where do I want to live? Where is it safe with a baby and a daughter? And where's the kindergarten close? And um, where's the kindergarten close that is maybe bilingual as well? And what about insurance and vaccinations? And there's so many things to consider. And I think for this research that I started at least one year before planning for it. And also I tried to get funding for myself, for my tickets, and then also for my wife and my kids as well, because there are some fundings or sources that also support researchers to go with their family. I think this is not much currently, but it it, um, it is um, emerging and increasing.
0: Well, do you want to tell people where they can find you more information about your work online? And we'll, of course, post a link to, I think, your Lofana page. No,
1: I think following me on Twitter is good and sending me an email if you have any questions or, or want to discuss this topic of diverse understandings of transformations, then I would be happy sounds good thanks David thanks for coming on thanks Stefan
0: thank you for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed the conversations we're having feel free to follow us on Twitter or to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues you can find us on most podcast platforms including Spotify Apple Podcasts and Google Play You can also listen and find the show notes for each episode on our website, along with other projects related to the Environmental Social Science Network.